God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. We, the citizens of America, are now joined in a great national effort to rebuild our country and restore its promise for all of our people. Because today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another. But we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Hold on to your seats. Buckle up for safety. You are now entering another dimension with The Scott Adams Show. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to The Scott Adams Show. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today. And I'm joined by Leonor Kravota. Hello, Leonor. Good morning, Scott. So how have you been? I've been good. Been good. You know, just working on things related to Bugle Call and related to Macapac. Yeah, that's right. We're doing. We're making a lot of progress, folks. Got the EIN number. Got a, our filing with the IRS. Um and uh, now we're just basically building out our website. The site's coming, looking pretty good. Um, Magapack.org and BugleCall.org. I'm kind of impressed by what we've been able to do so far. We're almost finished with that. Uh, and then we have some events planned, some yeah. Zoom events and some outreach uh, uh, events. And so it's going to be really exciting. And, and it comes at a really good time because I was a – you know, watching the six, I guess there was about six um, people on the right, Republicans. Cassidy blew me away. I, I was surprised about Cassidy. I was very surprised about Cassidy. But there's Cassidy, Collins, Murkowski, Romney, Sass, and Toomey. Right. Now, Toomey, uh, he's the senator from Pennsylvania. I'm embarrassed to say I threw a fundraiser for him many years ago. Wow. I, yeah. I mean, that, I mean this, was a long, this was a long, long time ago. So what was his first name? Pat Pat, Pat Toomey. Toomey. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he's retiring. So he's not even really punishable, right? We can't we can't go for his jugular. So in other and words, take his your, your naughty or nice list only has ramifications if people are still in the game. Well, here's the thing. So we're going after these guys, yeah, and girls like Murkowski. She's going to be enemy number one. Liz Cheney, uh, enemy number uh, one. Right, Liz Cheney is and and um, Kensinger, Kensinger, Kitzinger, yeah. Kinsinger, yeah, yeah. Kinsinger, Kinsinger from Illinois. Uh, the two guys, the two members in the House. So Kinsinger and and uh, Liz Cheney are definitely on the short list uh, of people that we want to target to primary out. 
Um, but also, uh, now I'm going to add Cassidy to the list. Now, Cassidy is up in 2026. He just won. And you know how he won? He he asked Donald Trump for his endorsement. Yeah. And Donald well, Trump that's the hypocrisy of the whole and thing. And gave his endorsement. Yeah, and that's the thing that really annoys me because you have so many people that went to Trump with their, you know, their <laughs> hands open, Especially basically the with their hands hands out, and then they go and they turn on them. I Especially mean, Kelly, the, Kelly, Kelly Loeffler. I mean, there were a bunch of people. Ben Sass was another one. Yeah. Ben Sass was begging. Ben Sass. We always knew that he was like a Justin Amash loser. We always knew that he was a a rhino. And the idea here is that Sass, being in Nebraska, needed Trump's support. If they would have known in Nebraska, and this is what I'm saying. I'm saying, look, do your due diligence. Do your research on these dudes. I knew Ben Sass was a loser for years. And, And yet, you know, when it came to the last two years of his Senate, he kind of straightened up and flew right, right, right. You know, he did that really cool thing uh, with um, the uh, how does a how does a bill happen? Uh, What's it called? Um, you mean like the schoolhouse rock? Schoolhouse thing? rock. He okay. did the schoolhouse rock. I'm thing. only a bill, just a bill sitting on Capitol right. Hill. That D- type during of deal. The, um, during the during uh, the Kavanaugh, I think it was maybe the Kavanaugh thing. Yeah. But he was talking about that. And um, everybody thought, oh, okay, maybe he's coming around to being Trump's friend. No, there are no friends in politics. That's that's one thing we've yeah. learned since we've been here. Nothing but backstabbers. Everybody's got their, you know, talk about concealed carry. People are concealing a, a knife for your back in D.C. It's, a, it's an ugly business here. Trust me when I tell you that. And we got to fix it, man. We got to clean these people up. We got to drain the swamp. Is we got to drain the swamp? They're, they're all contaminated. And you know the thing is, is that uh, the republic and our democracy and what we have going on in our country is all about you know what you think of when you think of uh, um, Jimmy Stewart and Mr. Smith goes Mr. to Smith Washington. Goes to Washington, exactly. Right? That's all great, but does it really even exist? It doesn't exist. What happens is these people get uh, polluted with all kinds of lobbyists and, you know, even the most innocent of people get into office and, 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 and they lose their minds. Now, I would say someone like a Jim Jordan, he was a wrestler when I was a wrestler in Ohio. A uh, hardworking do- kid, kid, and uh, at the time, I remember he was just one of the great wrestlers. Um, four-time state champ, then went on to be a national champ. He's built from something. You know, you look at someone like a Dan Gable who got the uh, Medal of Freedom, right? That Donald Trump, we met him a couple of times. What a what a great, great man uh, out in Iowa, right? Uh, Dan Gable, I met him in Budapest, and I met him also in 1978 as a kid, uh, where he was the coach of the USA team in Toledo, Ohio. But, you know, the the thing is, um, these people have gotten fame and fortune and never lost their minds. There's a lot of great examples of people that seem to still be well-grounded, that you can name some actors like that. Uh, Scott Baio comes to mind. How about Tom Brady? They're generally speaking, generally. They usually, have strong families. Um, That's what conservatives, it's about. though. Yeah, they they're, they're they're conservatives and they're usually faith based people. And you know, frankly, I don't even care. You know, if you're a Democrat or a Republican, do the right thing. Honestly, 
I mean, I really do. I have a lot of friends that are liberals. I understand why they're liberal. I, I mean, I kind of get it, you know. But th- when it comes to, you know, due process and doing the right thing, this is a no-brainer, folks. This is a no-brainer. Trying to impeach a man out of office that's already left the building is unconstitutional. Uh, there's so many problems with it. We're going to listen to a bunch of different audio clips that are going to illustrate that point clearly. And you know, so, it, so, so, oh, go ahead. Yeah, what I was going to say is, is there is going to be a difference between uh, today and yesterday because yesterday they were just voting on whether it was constitutional to proceed with the impeachment, and uh, and I have a funny feeling that there are going to be people that are going to gum and say, okay, maybe it was constitutional to proceed with the impeachment but do i actually want to proceed with the impeachment and that becomes a much more practical question well and and you know we're and this is this is unprecedented yeah. what is going on but they they got 44 uh 44 people voted that it was unconstitutional right and it was straight down party lines uh but then you know again cassidy joined the fray jo- he, pra- cassidy his joined argument the was that he felt that the other side made the better argument and there's been talk that trump's defense ha- was not particularly strong that bruce castor in particular was very weak yeah i agree the other attorney uh was shown was better yeah but here's the thing and it's true you know but why do you even need to defend yourself this is uh, this is, I mean, he's left the building as we keep saying. No, it's, he's not it's there. It's not just that. The speech was perfect. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with the speech. And when you listen to the people that are accusing Trump of doing wrong, they have done 10 times worse. So what are we going to do now? Go and impeach Bill Clinton because, you know, he slept with an intern? Here's a 50 something year old president, most powerful man in the, uh, the world, president of the United States of America, the most powerful man in the world. And he looks at a 21-year-old, you know, slightly overweight, uh, intern, probably with uh, some self-esteem issues. And he looks at her and he sees opportunity to sleep with her. What kind of leader is that? What kind of man is that? He's a married man with children. And he looks at Monica Lewinsky as an opportunity to exploit her. Now that if that's not worthy of impeachment, I don't know what is. And it was so, and it was clear at the time that there was something up with her. No, you know, I I would look at it. I would look at a person like that, and I would say personally, me personally, um, and I was a boss and I was powerful like that. Uh, I would be doing something more like, how can I help this person? I can see that this person lacks some self confidence. Yeah, I can see this person. I want to I want to do something for this person. You know, this person's here, this person's an intern, this person has, uh, aspires to, be, uh, to, to have a career in politics. Uh, let's see if I could work with this person. There's no way I would look at this person and try to make them a victim. No way. But that was the President of the United States, Bill Clinton. Now, do we go back and impeach him for that? Uh, you know, that's the question. Where are, we, where are we going with all this stuff? We're going to take a caller really quick. Caller, uh, you're on the air? that me? Yes. Hello, that me? Yes. Yes, I, I would say that uh, at the time Chief Justice uh, Roberts refused to preside, that became unconstitutional, their proceedings in the Senate. The Constitution doesn't allow her substitutes, but uh, I mean, the main media has uh, 
uh, not said who the uh, six Republicans sent. We know who what uh, ladies from the New England and and uh, probably one from Utah. But who are the other three? I mean, I think we ought to know who these rhinos are. No, we we, we already told you, uh, Liz Cheney. We don't go for railroading, um, right? People after they've been in office, and I think anybody at can't right. see this. Uh, but uh, what's your feeling? Uh, well, I know what your feeling is. Yeah, your your head's been screwed yeah. on to the right. As a matter uh, of fact, we're going to play a clip here in a second that we need to get to because we have an interview at the bottom of the hour. Uh, with Brent Hamachek, and we're looking forward to that. Um, so, if you um, if you want to just take a listen, we'll play this clip, and it'll drive it home. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right. So, um, you know, uh, just uh, in case he missed it, it's uh, Cassidy from Louisiana, Collins from Maine, Murkowski from Alaska, Romney from Utah, Sass from the Nebraska, and Toomey from PA. And what we're going to do with the MAGA pack and bugle call is. You know, we're going to try to get uh, uh, an attack going, and we're going to replace the GOP. Well, we're not replacing the GOP. We don't want to start a third party. We want to work with the GOP. But the GOP is not doing their job. Rona, Rona McDaniel is the problem. She had Secretariat. If you have a horse, and this, the horse's name is Secretariat, and you lose the races, it's not the horse, obviously. Secretariat was the best horse that ever lived. Well, we had Secretary in the Oval Office. We had the best of the best. We had Tom Brady in the Oval Office. And we couldn't pull it off. We couldn't win. We couldn't win. We were losers because Ronald McDaniel allowed and endorsed and financed and supported these rhinos in the Senate and the House of Representatives. It just drives me mad. It drives me absolutely bonkers that she keeps her job. And I think she's terrible because she's also the niece of Mitt Romney. And uh, we'll go ahead and take this call real quick. Julie? Good morning, the two of you. You've been (laughs) down in Florida, and all we've had is snow up here. Mm -hmm. And now we have to witness this horrible impeachment. (laughs) I'll be very quick. I just want to say they all have blood on their teeth. And President Trump was our voice of the people. And they're trying to take our voice of the people away from us. And I think if we all send him a flower, and let's see if we can get the 108 million people that actually voted for him. Let's see if we can get those all to go to Mar-a-Lago and flood them with flowers, let them know we're thinking of them. For Valentine's Day, it's just a thought. Well, thank <laughs> I you. I don't know if we can do that, if it's possible, but wouldn't it be fun if we could get a hundred million flowers? On oh, absolutely, and absolutely. <laughs> All right, okay, Julie. Thank you so yeah. much. Take and, care. And I'll check, be very quick. And I'm check, sorry. And check this out. Yep. Good morning. Ch- All right. Good morning. All right. And uh, here's this. Check this out. You know, Trump won in a landslide. Yeah. And let me tell you something. Um, it says one vote matters. Gateway Pundit just put this out, right? One vote matters. How weighted race distribution and one California vote brings entire 2020 election into question. All right. So this is a situation where they had this one vote show up in the sheet, mm-hmm. right? And it says 0.659 to Biden, 0.322 to Trump. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. and point zero one nine for other votes. So they got this thing, number of votes, one. And this one vote calculated it down. Mm-hmm. It broke it down into mathematics. And it was basically saying that they were valuing a vote as 659 for... Yeah. for um, and, and I think they did it that way in California because mm-hmm. they had so many illegal people mm-hmm. voting, right? That they didn't have that many registered voters that were legal, right? Right. So the idea is they were allocating fractionals in California. And this one vote showed up in this one precinct, but the algorithm then became crystal clear. And the algorithm was 0.659 for Biden, 0.322 for Trump, 0.019 for someone else. So my point is, if you were to double 322, that's 644. That's that's not 0.659, which they allocated to Biden. Mm -hmm. So what I'm saying is, is that Trump was cutting less in more than 50% off. So, I mean, you talk about three-fifths of a man, which Democrats endorsed, right? Slavery, they endorsed that. They endorsed black people being three-fifths of a man. Yet, somehow, today, black people love the Democrat Party. I can't figure it out because it doesn't make any sense to me. If they just opened up their eyes and they they read the history... It's the Republicans that have actually paved the way to their freedom and to uh, prosperity as best as possible in, you know, the current landscape. There there are always going to be problems. But this 0.659 versus 0.322, 322, you double that and you still don't get the 659. Okay, so that's the California algorithm. It was different in other states, maybe. But they had algorithms. They were using fractional fractional machines. That's really, really telling. Let's take a listen to this guy here. This is pretty good. So I got a little question. And I want to preface this by saying I'm a dummy. Don't have millionaire parents. Don't have a trust fund. I'm not as smart as Joe Biden, Mitch McConnell, Kamala Harris, Marco Rubio. So explain. Why is it that when I pay taxes to the U.S. government, taxes which are supposed to be helping me and my community, which are supposed to be for the betterment of the American citizen, why are we sending it to Egypt, to Pakistan, to Thailand, to Nigeria, $4 billion to Central America? If I thought these people needed help, they live in bad countries, they need charity. Well, I'd donate to charity, wouldn't I? Are things really so great in America? We have money to burn. We couldn't find money for the wall. Can't find money for our crumbling infrastructure. Can't find money for rehab facilities for our opioid crisis. People starving in America every day. Can't find money for the education system. We can't even find $2,000 for people who lost their entire lives to coronavirus. $26 trillion in debt. $120 trillion in unfunded liabilities due to Social Security. You represent me. You represent my interests. So since I'm so dumb and you're so smart, could you explain how that's in my interest? Help me out, big guy, because I don't get it. Hey, so I got a little question. All right. So also, uh, just to add to that, um, uh, you know, our priorities seem to be out of whack. Totally. The Dallas Mavericks uh, owner, Mark Cuban, you know, Shark Tank and all Mm -hmm. that, he... uh, he has directed his team. He says, uh, NBA's Dallas Mavericks stopped playing the national anthem before home games at owners Mark Cuban's direction and have no plans to resume the patriotic tradition. Well, see, that's terrible because sports are supposed to be an example of our patriotism in the United States. 
That's right. I mean, it's a practical <clears throat> example, and it's something that people all get connected to. And when you start removing the national anthem, you strip that out of it, and you secularize it. You you make it um, just another commercial enterprise. Well, here's the good news. The Texas uh, court sustained for a longer period of time Biden's uh, moratorium on deportations. Right. So Biden instructed with an EO to withhold deportations right. for 100 days uh, because they were working on getting the amnesty right. and the, all this other BS. Uh, well, that uh, state uh, said, nope, nope, we're going to extend that even longer. So because there was no, there, because he's basically not following the law That's right. the president. Well, and then there's 14 state attorneys generals Attorneys General Warren Biden, they are reviewing legal options over the Keystone XL pipeline decision. 11, so you got that. 11,000 jobs have been okay. lost. Okay. Then you got Nebraska's Lincoln County Republican Party votes unanimously to censure Never Trump, uh, Ben Sass. Yeah. And uh, also, they did the same thing in Wyoming in, uh, with Liz Cheney. That one vote that matters is, is really quite, quite amazing. Um, and uh, there was a lot of other commentary that I want to get to um, before we get to our, our guest. Um, so it says here, Justin, man charged in connection with the U.S. Capitol riot claims he's worked for the FBI and holds a top secret clearance since 1979. Seriously? <laughs> yeah. So what was going on there? You know, um, that there was people working inside of the wheels of government well they say with that secret clearances they say that people knew exactly where to go you know and they you know that that lends credence to that that they knew exactly where certain um senior people's offices were etc yeah yeah it's crazy it's absolutely nuts so you know um we got to get to the bottom of 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 this whole situation um the other thing is Super Bowl ratings, lowest in 50 years since 1969. Actually, it was the lowest ever. Um, I think the, the NFL was only in business for five years in 1969. Yeah, I think, I think the Super Bowl started was a 66, I think. Yeah, because we're, we're Super Bowl 55, so it was 66. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, um, so, so basically, it's for all intents and purposes, it's lowest ever. Lowest ever, and not not to mention, they, you know what they said they, that happened? The Nielsen reports, the yeah. Nielsen ratings, yeah. stopped calculating. Where yeah. have we heard that before? They saw the numbers coming in, and they were like, they stopped calculating. Yeah, yeah. That's like the Dominion voting machines. Stop the presses. Right. Stop Counting. Stop the machines. Because the media is going to The Republicans have gotten too many votes. Well, th- those were the jokes we were telling about the Super Bowl was that we were still waiting for, you know, the results to come in, um, you know, after uh, after the, uh, you know, after the Tampa Bay won. Well, let's wait for the mail-in results. Jack Posobiec says, Raskin, Senator, Senator Raskin, said he wanted to try the president based on the facts, then entered a doctored video into evidence. <laughs> The Bradford file says Trump's only crime was loving America. John Roberts says Donald Trump ceased being president three weeks ago tomorrow, yet he continues to dominate the news cycle. That's what this is all about, too. It's ratings, right? They can't get enough of Donald Trump. Yeah. They love him and they hate him at the same time. 
Representative Matt Gates illustrates that point. He says, Democrats are addicted to impeachment and they can't shake that craving. They literally hate the president that much. Uh, the Bradford file says, if Biden got 81.2 million votes, why are Democrats worried about Trump running to office again? And you know what they did during Black History Month? This is month. Yeah. This month, they changed the name of Aunt Jemima to Pearl Milling Company. I like that. <laughs> and the story behind that is, you know, it was entrepreneurial in spirit. Yeah. And it was it was actually a step up for for black people. She was a, a pioneer. So, also, you know, in Philadelphia, they have sanctuary cities. They have mm-hmm. a very socialist mayor yeah. who happens to be a drunk, um, Mayor Kenny. Uh, this uh, breaking, it says, seven dead, including 15-year-old boy, after violent day in Philadelphia, no arrests made. It's getting worse in Philly. Yeah, it, you know, it really the, is. It's 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 very unfortunate. And of course, we have loads of friends in Philly because that's where we we came from, and it's it's very upsetting to see that city being destroyed. So the goal of Pelosi, Schumer, and Schumer's second impeachment pantomime isn't convicting Trump. They don't have sixty-seven votes. No, the goal is to shame, blackball, and cancel seventy-four million Trump voters by tarring them all as the hooligans who broke into their sacred temple and suppressing the popular America first vote. Yeah. You know, isn't that, isn't that terrible? And impeachment is now meaningless. Nobody takes any of this seriously. It's all for show. And Molly yeah. Hemingway said this, Democrats and the media are so watering down impeachment and normalizing it as a routine thing that all GOP hopefuls for 2024 should start preparing to answer the question of what they think They'll be impeached for should they win office and face crazed media Democrats. Um, it's just it goes on and on. Nick Short wrote this. No Trump, and then we're going to get to our guest here in just a moment. No Trump did not. Uh, no Trump did not incite an insurrection. Anyone who has read the transcript of his speech at the ellipse knows this. Show trial. Uh, show trial that we are about to witness is not solely meant to impeach Trump and forever ban him from engaging in the political process, but also his supporters. And that's really what it's about. It's about it's about demoralizing uh, the Trump base because it's so strong. I think that they truly know the numbers. And Thomas Sowell, one of my favorite thinkers, said, It is amazing how much panic one honest man can spread among a multitude of hypocrites. <laughs> <laughs> I like that quote. Yeah, I absolutely love that. Um, and really quick, before we get to Brent and our, our, um, our, uh, our guest today, uh, we're going to go ahead and take this caller. Um, caller, you're on the air. Yeah, uh, thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Uh, there's a there's a there's a movie out a CD out. It's called The Sacred Fire: of The American Pulpit. Have you ever heard, have you ever seen it? No. It's very good. Um, it talks about during the times of the English tyranny. Um, case in point, um, how the how the uh, the Black Robe Regiment, the, the ministers that were that took up arms and and defended the, and defended the churches. Churches were getting burned by. England, and 
on the, uh, the, the Paul, Paul Revere's famous ride. I didn't get this memo. I graduated in 1978. I didn't get this memo. But in the movie, in, this, in the documentary, it says how when the, in the North Church, when the, two, when the lights were lit in the steeple, one if by land, two if by sea, when Paul, when Paul Revere saw the two lights, he didn't ride through the streets saying, the redcoats are coming, the redcoats are coming. That's not what happened at all. In, the, in an official journal, it was a covert op because one-third of the country were loyalists. He rode on a fast horse as quick as he could to his pastor to see it to his to to see his pastor, and who taught his congregation to shoot. The first shots fired against the British were from the grounds of the church. And I see our country as having too many namby pamby preachers, even among the fundamental Baptists. They might be independent and fundamental, but they're fundamentally wrong. Telling telling me you can't pray for this, you can't pray for vengeance. Oh really? To which I say, let's see what it says in Luke eighteen one to eight where it clearly says, the widow and the unjust judge, what is she praying for, Pastor? What is she praying for? Vengeance. And then it gets real quiet. And the solution is we're losing the country behind our, in, in our pulpits. We've got too many, what I call, pink panty pastors. We have very little black robe ministers. They stand for nothing, so they fall for everything. And look what's happening. You got to stand for things in life. That's, that's for sure. You got to stand on principles, and we've abo- we've just abandoned our principles. But thank you so much. We have a guest waiting. Um, but thank you for calling in. I n- I know who you are. You're from the Philly area, right? Yeah, yeah. Mac from Broomall. And yeah. if there's if I can get a mailing address, what I'm going to do is I got I already sent out something like uh, 14 of these documentaries. I could mail you one, or if you want to look it up, the I'll guy's tell you what. name is is uh, uh, yeah. Chuck Harding. Okay, if and, you could email... If the you, documentary is called The Sacred Fire of the American Pulpit, and thank you for letting me call in. Okay, all right, Gary, thank you so much. Thank you for calling. God bless. All right, God bless. All right. Um, okay, so now we are going to take our guest. And sorry to keep you waiting, but this is uh, Brent Hamachek. Brent Hamachek comes to us from Human Events. Welcome to the Scott Adams Show, Brent. Thanks for having me back. It's always uh, it's always a pleasure to be here. It's it's been a while. Yeah. So it was uh, it's it's been since before the events of January sixth that you and I have had a chance to talk. So it's nice to be back. Wow, that's it's great. Been yeah, that so long. Great to, wow. Yeah, it's, time flies when you're uh, in a nightmare. <laughs> time yeah, time flies when you're not having right. fun. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, crazy. Right, right. We, you've been busy monitoring the decay of Western civilization, so I understand taking a while to get to me. You know you're doing. Good. You know you got a, a radical left party when the French. I don't know if you read this, but the French. Are up in arms French, about American the, liberals. The, as a francophile, the, uh, you know, I read a lot of French did you, did you uh, see press, that article? and I saw that. And the French are <laughs> usually notoriously liberal, but of course, they're now saying that we are have become the extremists. How would they say that in, in French? <laughs> uh, vous, sont, uh, vous, vous êtes trop uh, à gauche. You're too the too much to the left. I, I don't know. I'm just I'm just spitballing right now. I'm sure there's some better way well, to say it in everyday vernacular. <laughs> If we're if we're going to do French, uh, how about if we if we revive Madame Pompadour from uh, the 18th century and say "Après nous le déluge"? After us, because the flood. After <laughs> us, the flood, and here comes the flood. Right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's interesting. The French would object to our extremism 
when uh, people draw historical parallels to what's going on in the United States now to other places, other times, the most accurate parallel you can really draw is to that of the French Revolution. Uh, this is similar in so many ways. And so it's uh, interesting that the French would condemn us. Um, we'll see if we bring back guillotines. Right, exactly. Well, I don't think we're, uh, I think we're closer to that point than, than uh, we were about five years ago. Uh, it's just getting it's getting kind of crazy. What what do you take? What's your take on you know? There's so many uh, people talking brilliantly about um, you know Victor David Hansen comes to mind and some some other great people that are, uh, thinkers are talking about all the different dynamics, the damage that this impeachment hoax is this complete fiasco uh, is do, having on our country. Well. I actually, uh, first of all, with regard to Victor Davis Hanson uh, in particular, he's probably the smartest human being in the country. Uh, there, maybe there's somebody smarter, but I certainly haven't read them. I really, I've really given up on reading most people that uh, write opinion, but uh, his is is must must viewing and must reading when he makes an appearance. Look, I I actually think that this impeachment trial um, is less of a big deal than most people do because it's really simply now a culmination of what's already happened that was a big deal. Now look, we, we call this a trial and typically when you have a trial you you brings to mind images of a jury and arguments and evidence and you know people then stepping away and seriously deliberating, you know, is there enough proof? Was it the person guilty or innocent? Well, this is none of that. In fact, every single American actually knows that this is just, you know, a farce. It's just something they're doing in Washington. We know he's not going to be convicted. There's not a single member of the Senate who's listening to any evidence, who's going to make some sort of decision based on what they've heard. Uh, They've already made their decision. So what is this? It's a culminating event. This isn't dividing the country. Everything that's happened up to it divided the country. So now we watch, now we watch basically a, a Monty Python skit uh, done in real life in real chambers, um, in a way that really isn't quite as funny as they used to be. They'd have done it better, by the way. <laughs> that's well said. Yeah, you know, um, it, it's scary. Uh, you know, when we throw due process out. We, you know, this can happen to anybody. This, if this can happen to Donald Trump, and you almost get the idea that uh, that they're they're doing it because number one, they're they're afraid of of the uh, the rock star status that Donald Trump enjoys. Uh, that his poll numbers haven't really budged. Yeah, uh, he's still at you know with Rasmussen somewhere around fifty fifty two percent, and he's holding steady. And then when you take a look at, you know, different things um, <clears throat> with respect to, and we're going to talk uh, about Bruce Springsteen and the ad uh, for the Super Bowl. But you <laughs> speaking know, of the rock pe- stars, the, yeah, speaking of rock stars, but the people, the the people who bought those ads uh, must not be very happy right now because the Super Bowl turned out to be one of the lowest in history. You got even the NBA and Mark Cuban talking about, now we don't want to do the uh, Pledge of Allegiance or the National Anthem anymore. Uh, none of that. And 
uh, with um, all this wokeness, it's just getting getting kind of tiresome uh, that we have to be preached and you know preached about wokeness by these uh, these athletes. So uh, no wonder the numbers are turning down. And then you have the COVID and the draconian. Um, measures that uh, liberal leaders have taken, and then you have the cardboard cutouts. It's just, we're living in some sort of a surreal world, but the uh, Super Bowl itself is part of our pop culture. And it seems like everywhere you turn, the liberals seem to be destroying uh, what made America great. Well, let's stay with that entertainment piece for a minute, because it's it's not just reflective of a divided country. It's reflective of a interesting calculation. So what the NFL has done, what the NBA has done, uh, is nothing any different than what the late night talk shows decided to do, uh, four years ago. And that is, uh, if you're, if you're Jimmy Kimmel, um, or the other fellow whose name just escapes me probably on purpose, uh, Jimmy Fallon. They, make a, they made a calculation. Yeah, they made a they made a calculation that said we're willing to tell half of America that we do not want them to watch us. We're going to do that. And after that, they did okay. I mean, initially some ratings drops, and then they stabled stabilized, and then they came back up a bit. Because if we've got three hundred and thirty million people in this country, many of them here legally. Uh, if you get half that group, you've got a hell of an audience. Now, the Super Bowl is, uh, you know, the biggest television event every year in America. This year it got less than 100 million viewers, but it's still got a lot of viewers. And the NFL and the NBA, they're just making a calculation. And they'll settle into that over time and say, we don't care if we alienate half the country. We can make the other half work financially. I see your and point. So I'm afraid you're not going to see a backlash or a change. You'll just see an adjustment. So, so sort of like this. Um, you know, I'm holding my index finger, and my thumb up, and they're separated by about two inches. And you can go up and down the ruler with that. And you can say, okay, I want my two fingers to represent a broad spectrum of the center. Uh, but if they make that calculation where we're going to go radical left or we're going to go uh, radical right, you're basically taking your two fingers and sliding them. And in the, in the, the, the gap is about the same. The population density is about the same in the sense that uh, it just depends on who you want to alienate and who you want to actually embrace, uh, almost like a fraternity. So like uh, some of these networks... Uh, it's sort of like a liberal boys club or it's a fraternity of some sort. And uh, they they get more loyalty because they're given loyalty back to a certain ideology. You know, so that's kind of an interesting business model. Right. Well, and, and as I would argue, uh, it's not about sliding back and forth between right and left. It is about two different actual teams in America, team right, right. and team left. And each one of those teams has platoons on it, like pro-choice on one side and pro-life on the other, and, and so on. And so you can run down the rosters, the platoons on both teams. What happens is, 
And whenever we say a politician, for example, we'll go away from networks to talk about a politician. When they say a politician is really going further to the right during the campaign, well, nobody can tell you exactly what that means, but I can tell you what it means. It doesn't mean they're moving directionally. It means they're looking at the platoons on Team Right, like the uh, Second Amendment folks and the pro-life folks and the pro-free market folks, and they're picking as many different platoons as they can, and they're saying, I am going to throw something to that platoon that's really appealing to get those folks on board, right? So what the networks try to do, taking that model and moving it to entertainment, is you say, okay, we've, and, and they're not even aware that they're really doing this because they're not conscious of the model. But they do know that different folks are passionate about different things. So they'll try to get programming that appeals to different people. But increasingly what they're doing is they're simply ignoring those platoons on Team Right, and they're strictly pandering to the platoons on Team Left. I mean, go ahead and try to find an American television <clears throat> show that does an entire hour episode based around the virtue of the pro-life movement, you won't find it. So don't bother. Uh, well, they, you know, you know, they kind of try to do that. So with they Rock ignore that, that demographic. You remember Roseanne? Uh, the first episode was a huge blockbuster success. The first episode success of the, re back, the reboot. reboot yeah. The reboot, right? And, and then they kicked right. her off the station, and they, they failed after that. But everybody loved that conservative message just like when fox news came on to the the playing field with um roger ailes uh they they really just took 50 percent of the entire population and no wonder they were beating msnbc and cnn combined uh because the other 50 percent had to be divvied up by seven other liberal outlets but you know fox news really saw that as a gambit and that was that was a smart tactic the problem facing the conservatives today is that uh, there's been so much domination uh, at the top levels of this, the big tech and where all the money is, uh, and they're all run by radical lefties. And I've always said this. I said, you know, one of the problems for Republicans, and the reason why you see so many liberals at the top is because you have a lot of intolerance with, with the left, uh, where, you know, I think we see more liberals firing Republicans or Trump supporters than it's the other way around. I don't remember it ever right. being a real problem like that. So if if you look at your uh, climb to the top, whatever uh, area you're in, um, a, a liberal, uh, they get two paths because a Republican boss is not going, a conservative boss is not going to fire a liberal because they're liberal. They're going to give them the same track as the conservative. They don't look at it like that. But you take a liberal um, boss, whether it be at the editor of the New York Times, a Hollywood producer or director or a media, you know, news news mogul or whatever it is, uh, you're going to, if you're a conservative, you have a dead end road. If you're a journalist, you're not going to get the front page story. The editor's going to uh, nix that. But if you're a liberal, you are going to get that front page story. So there are two paths to the top for a liberal, but there's only one path to the top for a conservative. And that's if he has if he's lucky enough to have a conservative boss that's not going to be intolerant of his 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 um, ascent. Right. If, so if I could, I, I would love to 
ask your listeners, uh, if the Spirit moves them and they're willing to read a 7,000-word piece, perhaps do it over two cups of coffee, if you go to my own personal website, which is brenthamachek.com, you can see an essay I posted a couple of weeks ago called Embracing the Role of the 21st Century American Dissident. Because, Scott, that's what we are now. We're dissidents, and we have to understand that. You know, our role models are no longer Washington, Adams, and Payne. They're Solzhenitsyn and Sakharov and Sharansky. So what uh, the point I'm making is, is that, you know, you look at the vote of this past year, whatever somebody thinks about the election, you can say roughly half the country voted for Trump and roughly half of the country voted for Biden. And then you could say, so we're split. But we're not split because we don't weigh the same. There might be as many of us in terms of human body count numbers, but in terms of the positions we occupy and the power that we have, their atomic political weight is much greater than ours. They own academia. They own virtually every level of local government in every major city. They own entertainment. They own the bureaucracy inside of Washington. Uh, They own the educational system from K through college. So even though uh, they own the corporate boardrooms of the large corporations, so even though there might be 80 million of us, 80 million of them, and then who knows about the rest, it's not about our numbers. It is about the weight that we carry in our daily roles. And they own us in that sense. And Mm -hmm. they control the power structure. And if we want to ignore that, we do it at our own peril. So we work like Solzhenitsyn did. We don't work like Adams and Washington did. And it requires a different mindset. So I'd love it if uh, people would take a look at that and uh, uh, challenge themselves to think about what it means to be a dissident. And say it again. Uh, Give us the name of the article and where they can go. And let me just say that Hamachek is spelled H-A-M-A-C-H-E-K. So when you go to BrentHamachek.com, it's Brent. Hamachek, H-A-M-A-C-H-E-K, not spelled like a check, like you're going to write me a check one day. Um, <laughs> so what's the name of it the article? It is the most common misspelling. Yeah. Yes, they can find it uh, on, my, on my blog page there at uh, com, and it is called Embracing the Role of the 21st Century American Dissident. You will also find another piece when you go there called Why They Cheat, and for I know you've got your listeners are very focused on what happened in the 2020 election, and people say why why does it seem to be the case that the team left folks cheat more often than we do? Well, you'll also find an essay shorter, by the way, uh, that offers my take on that. So, um, but I'd love it if people would read. If you do read, you have a way to uh, uh, respond to me and share your thoughts. I read everything I get. Uh, from people, so I'd love comments. You know, my answer, my short answer to that, without reading it so far, is your your one article um, uh, talks about get, allows them to get away with it because if they their atomic weight puts them in the power seat, they can cheat because they own the power structure, so they can get away with it. So if you can cheat and get away with it, and you don't have an, a moral fiber. Uh, or and you know princi- you're not principled, you cheat because there's no consequence, and it's the same as it is in law and order. But I'll be sure to read that as well. I'm going to head over to Brent Hamachek and do that. Now you also write for uh, Human Events. You're part of that organization, HumanEvents.com, yep. and you wrote a piece called "Dear Bruce Springsteen." 
here is my letter to you. And then what happened was the Super Bowl happened, and Bruce Springsteen worked with Jeep and lost a lot of money on an ad that didn't see nearly as many eyeballs as they paid for it. Um, and you wrote another article just uh, like uh, yesterday uh, called I'm Happy to Meet You in the Middle, Bruce. Any idea where it is? The American political spectrum that never was. So I would like to talk to you about this most recent article and how it ties into the former Bruce Springsteen article. I know you're a big Bruce Springsteen fan, but you come to us from a kind of of a different perspective. So the first article was written back at the time when his new album, Letter to You, was coming out, so I couldn't resist. Um, and it was right at the time he was saying to and simply said that if Trump won, he was going to move to Australia. Then he said maybe Ireland. I guess he was teasing people around the globe. So I wrote that as a direct letter to him, asking him some questions about uh, why he would do that, what his real thoughts were about the country, what he really thought about people like me. Was I even welcome to go to one of his concerts if he ever has one again? But, uh, well, Chris, Chris the, by the, the way, let me interject. Chris, Chris Christie, Chris Christie wasn't, and he was one of the biggest Bruce Springsteen fans. <laughs> right, right. Well, uh, in in a couple of ways, literally and figuratively, he was one of the biggest fans. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. In any event, of course, Bruce got his wish, and Biden won. And now that Biden's president, we sort of wondered, well, what would Bruce do now? And well, we found out on Sunday, and so he makes an ad that says. Uh, let's let's meet in the in the middle, and a lot of people like Molly Hemingway, for whom I have tons of respect, and she wrote mm-hmm. a great piece uh, on saying, you know, now liberals call for unity, right after they trash us for four years. That's true enough, but that's not the angle I took. My angle was to say, okay, let's meet in the middle. Where is it? And the point is, uh, as people will read, and it reverts back to this idea I introduced a moment ago about team right and team left. There is no middle on some traditional American political uh, spectrum. In fact, uh, most people can't even tell you how to define the terms if you really ask them. But given this two-team structure that we have, when somebody says, let's meet in the middle, if you ask them exactly what they mean, they can't tell you. And what it really comes down to is this notion of needing to find ways. And this, to me, is the fundamental question. Here is where the middle should be in American politics on every issue. Think about it this way. Every time government does anything to address a problem, it requires some number of people surrendering some amount of liberty. You cannot have government act without doing something to restrict, unless they just repeal something, right? So the question ought to be, how much individual freedom are we willing to surrender in order to solve this problem, whatever this problem is? And if you could get a room filled with people with different ideas about the role of government and economics and other things, if you could get them in a room and have them ask that question while they try to solve a particular problem, you might actually find they could do something that we used to call compromise because not everybody will agree, but everybody could center on that question and ultimately come up with some sort of an answer. Do this in business boardrooms all the time. Companies in trouble, people get together and say, if we don't act, 
this company is going to go out of business. And so a bunch of competing people with different ideas offer different ideas, and they make a decision. America can go out of business, and we need people to start to act that way and work together to find solutions. You know what I particularly liked about your article was just the concept of the you know the ever moving middle that we don't know where it, that we don't know where it is and uh, and we're and you know so it wasn't just an article about Bruce Springsteen the entertainer but it is reflective right. of what has happened in our politics now that we see that we've got Joe Biden as the president and we have a situation where he is he he initially campaigned as a moderate with a little bit of a wink to the people you know the uh, squad and uh, AOC and all those folks and now you're seeing that those are the people that are really um controlling the uh, strings behind it you know and what's concerning is the response to that you know the judges have been blocking some of his executive orders but <clears throat> i just read a report where he wants to um actually ask for the resignation of like 56 or 57 uh, federal judges that Trump has appointed, which I think is disturbing. Well, and you know what happened? Trump Trump did something like that. that No, well, when he did, when Trump got rid of people years ago with the change of administration, they were all up in arms. Yeah. But but that but that's what I thought was really um, very, you know very intelligent about your article was that you took popular culture and also talked about what's going on in our political sphere. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. Um, and by the way, with regard to Biden and AOC, uh, in Human Events, um, a couple of months ago, and we just have uh, Charlie Kirk wrote a really, really good piece uh, explaining why those two won't ever be able to get along. And it is not because they aren't both socialists. It's because they're different kinds of socialists. Joe Biden and Kamala Harris are socialists out of the old early 20th century European model. Uh, the National Socialist Party in Germany, uh, Mussolini's fascist party in Italy. They are looking at socialism as a permanent point of rest where big government and big business work together on national policies. AOC is a good old-fashioned socialist from the 19th century, the way Marx envisioned it. And she wants to see us progress towards a communist society. So socialism for her is not a resting point. It's transitional. So inside the Democratic Party, make no mistake, they will not resolve this conflict. There will be part of the party that wants to move from socialism and beyond, and there will be a part of it that wants to stay. And those two ideas are just as incompatible as as our free market ideas are with collectivist ideas. They're totally incompatible, and they will continue to fight. So we have to take advantage of that disunity and reach the other people who vote for Democrats who don't understand any of that. Well, Brent, uh, I want to let our audience know we're speaking with Brent Hamachek. Uh, Brent Hamachek comes to us from humanevents.com and also brenthamachek.com. Thank you, Brent. We're out of time, but thank you so much for spending time with us today. It's always a pleasure to be here. It's a great conversation. Thank you for having me. All right. We'll see you next time on the radio. Bye-bye, everybody. And you've been listening to The Scott Adams Show, and we'll see you next time on the radio.